This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportsTalkSE.com as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. And good evening, everybody. Welcome. Welcome into Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network on what is a Great, great uh, weekend of sports in front of us here in the state of South Carolina. Not great weather right now, as you probably know. The start of the South Carolina Clemson baseball series up here at Doug Kingsmore Stadium at Clemson delayed at least until 7.30, and the weather is pretty rough out here right now. It's not raining like you might expect it to be raining from what we've heard. It's not raining the old cats and dogs yet, but it's, it's windy. It's blustery, it's overcast, it's raining some. It's been like this for a little while, and we're just going to have to wait and see how long this thing uh, hangs over the Clemson area and how quickly they can get things in shape to play baseball tonight. As you heard Eric Backich with us last night, they are going to play baseball tonight. It might be a little bit later than they had originally planned, but they're going to get the game in tonight and then play the game tomorrow over in Greenville and then play the game on Sunday over in Columbia. So we're looking forward to it. The Gamecocks and the Tigers, anytime they get together, it's always fun. The Tigers have a four-game winning streak in this series, having won the last game of 2021 and having slept the, uh, swept the Tigers, I'm sorry, swept the Gamecocks last season. Uh, but the Gamecocks are the team that is carrying the mojo into the weekend with their 9-0 and start in their national ranking and all their offense and their power, while the Tigers have lost four in a row after winning four to open the season. And they also hit the ball well, not with the power of the Gamecocks, but they will steal a base. They're very good on the base paths, and they will test the uh, Gamecock catchers, no doubt, throughout the series as they try to take the extra base. So we've got that And we're on standby with that. Originally, they were supposed to start at 6 o'clock. Obviously, that's not going to happen. Uh, Early afternoon, they announced the first pitch would be at 7.30. But again, that right now is in question as we uh, wait for this weather to play out. But we are are here for it. And uh, you can follow our coverage on our Twitter at Sports Talk SC and postgame on our website, sportstalksc.com. So we got that going on, plus other baseball involving teams across the state, ACC and SCC. We'll be updating that. Meantime, it's a college basketball tournament time for most everybody. There's still some regular season games to be played out. South Carolina Senior Day for the Gamecocks tomorrow against Georgia at the CLA and Senior Night for the Clemson Tigers at Little John Coliseum tomorrow night against Notre Dame. And, of course, when you talk about importance between the two, it's bigger for Clemson. I mean, South Carolina knows it's going to play in the play-in round of the SEC tournament. And when they get to Nashville, their next loss will end their season. Clemson has more basketball to play once it gets to the ACC tournament. The question is, will the Tigers go in as a three-seed, a four-seed, or something lower than that to the ACC tournament, win tomorrow, and they can be the three-seed? I guess they will be the three-seed for the ACC tournament, which will be quite an accomplishment for them. 
I think, good enough to get them into the NCAA tournament based on their full body of work. But we'll wait and see what the committee has to say about that. But they will be playing some basketball down the road after the ACC tournament, whether it's the NCAA or the NIT. But the hope is for Clemson is to play well tomorrow night, beat Notre Dame, go to Greensboro, have a couple of days of sitting back and watching, and then take on their opponent in the quarterfinal round and get a win and get to that semifinal round and see what happens from there. I think Clemson has proven – they're as good as anybody in that league this year. I mean, they lost to Virginia close on the road, but they played them tough. They have beaten Pittsburgh head-to-head. They have uh, played Miami a close one, losing at home by, what was it, four points. So they've proven they can play. They've beaten Duke. Um, they've, they've proven they can play with anybody in their league this year. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, tomorrow. Meantime, over in Greenville, SEC Women's Tournament uh, continuing today. Matt Smith is there, and the first women of college basketball stepped onto the court there today in Greenville, Smitty. Top-ranked, undefeated, defending national champion, USC Gamecocks. They're royalty now. I I look at them like I would look at uh, Duke in North Carolina, uh, Kansas, Kentucky in their heyday. They are basketball royalty and they are the main attraction in Greenville. They absolutely are, and you're right, Corn. They are a blue blood. They are what, uh, to, to women's college basketball now, what UNC and Duke and, and Indi- in your generation, Indiana, Corn or, mm. uh, or mm-hmm. John Wooden, okay? All right. In my generation, North Carolina and Duke, but they are just the queens right now. And, yeah, uh, it was a great buzz today. In Greenville for the uh, for the women's tournament, and, and as you said, so it's it's like when you go now to the SEC men's tournament. Oftentimes, it's like the Kentucky Invitational in terms of the fan base. Well, that's the way it is for South Carolina. Uh, that fan base is behind the Gamecocks, and I, I was really impressed. Actually, I came away impressed with Arkansas today. I think they are an NCAA tournament team. I've seen them play twice now in person, and I, I really like their head coach, Mike Neighbors. It's just a bad matchup, frankly, for, uh, for, for Arkansas when they face South Carolina. South Carolina is just too physical, too good in the paint. Uh, South Carolina scored 60 points in the paint. Arkansas, Arkansas scored just 18. And it is just the, the weight advantage for South Carolina is too much. Hmm. It looks like a super heavyweight going against a welterweight. And so Arkansas does better when they face different competition and, and the game is played out differently. But, again, impressed with Mike Neighbors, the game plan. He said, listen, we can't go toe-to-toe with South Carolina. Let's shoot threes. They did, and they just didn't hit enough of them to stay in the ball game. I, I will say this. I've seen South Carolina play now several times in person and, of course, tracked them throughout the season. And I, they are 30-0, and 0, but they are vulnerable. There are vulnerabilities. There are small cracks that teams can attack unfortunately what happens is South Carolina's so good in the areas where they are great that they make up for it and one of that areas is rebounding according having watched basketball your entire life you know that you know no Pat Riley used to say no rebounds no rings and Dawn Staley has this team focused and determined to win the rebounding battle every time out and it's not just Aaliyah Boston and Victoria Saxton who were great today uh, it, it is also the guards who crash the boards. And 
Crashing the boards, points in the paint, so crucial. But the team they play tomorrow, Ole Miss, who disposed of Texas A&M earlier today, Ole Miss took South Carolina to overtime with a great game plan. They packed in the zone and really made it tough on Aaliyah Boston, Camila Cardoso, and, and Victoria Saxton to score in the paint. They made it hard on them. So I think for South Carolina to advance, and they're certainly the favorites, I think they're going to have to hit some jumpers tomorrow, and that's something they didn't do a lot of today. But I think they're going to have to do it tomorrow against a better Ole Miss team. All right, final score today, South Carolina 93, Arkansas 66. This was a team that South Carolina beat in the regular season. 92 to 46. So if you're Arkansas, you know, you're sort of like, well, we scored 20 more points against them, only gave up one additional point, 93-66 to 92-46 previously. And you're right, the uh, the Gamecocks, uh, they dominated this thing as they tend to do. They, built, they jumped to a 24-17 lead, added to that in the second quarter, and then put it away, um, weren't threatened in the third quarter, put it away in the fourth quarter as they uh, continue to uh, add to their lead. Uh, the Gamecocks end up shooting 54% from the floor, and leading the way for the Gamecocks today was, um, let's see, they had balanced scoring. Uh, Ami here had 16, uh, Saxton 19, Boston 11, Fletcher had a dozen, Cardoso had 14. Uh, now, Smitty, uh, they, this is the thing. This is how good this team is. And you talk about making outside shots, but Zaya Cook was only one for ten, zero for three. I'm sorry, zero for two from three. She only had two points, yet they still won by thirty. You're right, uh, but I, I do think. Look, but look at the points in the paint. I think it was sixty to eighteen, if memory serves. Yes, yes sixty um, to eighteen. Just mm-hmm. complete. I mean, come on. Come on, that that's absurd. That is absolutely yeah. absurd. Uh, but and that's and that's why they were able to defeat to Arkansas the way that they are. Their way to they can handle Arkansas. But Ole Miss can stand up to them a little bit better uh, in terms of uh, in terms of play in the paint and in the lane. And I also think Ole Miss uh, they've got a dynamite player on the perimeter that's going to give South Carolina problems. Of course, Bria Beal did a nice job on her the last time out, but. Yes, you're right. Zaya Cook didn't have her best game, and what happened? South Carolina's depth showed up. Um, look, and here's another thing you've got to say about them. What an unselfish group. Aaliyah Boston saw early that Arkansas was going to double her. Well, she quickly went right into Akeem Olajuwon, feed, the, uh, feed her other post player. The way Akeem Olajuwon used to spoon-feed Ralph Sampson when they were playing together in Houston, Aaliyah Boston did for Victoria Saxton early. Uh, Don't sleep on this. Aaliyah Boston had five assists. Four of those came before halftime, just showcasing the fact that what can you do with her? If you double her, she'll pass out of it. And if you leave her single coverage, she's she's absolutely a a freight train in the low block. So she's so good, uh, which is part of the reason that they're almost unstoppable. But Ole Miss can stand up a little bit better than Arkansas did in the post in terms of post defense and Look, only because, you know, if you want to look ahead, South Carolina, it's about championships. To win this thing, not only will South Carolina have to knock off a really good Ole Miss team, they're probably going to draw 
LSU or Tennessee from the other side. Now, they beat both of those teams by double digits earlier this year, and Kim Mulkey said after the LSU game that, hey, it's South Carolina and everybody else were playing in their world, swimming in their pool. And she's right, but LSU had the lead, and so did Tennessee. Both of those teams led in those games at different points. So just to show you that, that you know, look, South Carolina looks so dominant because they're 30-0, and 0, LSU, Tennessee, Ole Miss, these are all quality-ranked women's college basketball teams. So this tournament's not over by a long shot. Yeah, absolutely. And you you wonder, too, uh, Smitty, you know, coaches, they never want to lose. But you talk about, well, you carry the long winning streak. And let's face it, you might try and uh, ignore the talk outside and the pressure. But let's face it, with every win, and their winning streak now should be, with this win today, puts them at, what, 36, I think it is. I think it's 36 in a row. And it's like, you know, it does build. The pressure does build as you continue to extend the winning streak. And maybe it's like uh, you maybe would have liked to have maybe taken a loss during the regular season. Nobody likes to lose. But that way you don't have that pressure of the winning streak building on you especially when you get to the national part of things, you get to the main tournament and everybody's asking you about it. Certainly they don't want to lose now because they want to win another SEC championship. They want to add more hardware to the trophy case. So uh, this team has um, has seemed to be mature enough to where it deflects any kind of pressure like that. But then again, you wonder inside that locker room how much the pressure might be growing win by win as that streak is extended. I agree with that, Corn, uh, and, and what you're saying about maybe taking a loss somewhere maybe would have been good for them, but probably too late now, right? Because you want to now you want to build momentum heading into the big tournament, and it's so interesting. I'm, if I if I've got this right, I think UNLV, you know, they won a national championship, but then the next year they came in, they were undefeated, went to the Final Four, and that's when Duke got them. Why? I mean, in part, the pressure got to them. Um, it's hard to do. I remember one year St. Joseph's went into the NCAA tournament undefeated. Then the, the pressure played a role as they got closer and closer. And, and the teams like uh, Tennessee and UConn in their heyday when they were dominating the women's scene, let's, let's be honest, it was them and then how many teams could have beaten them? One, two, maybe three. Women's college basketball has more parity now. What South Carolina is doing, it doesn't look like it from our perspective. From sitting in the state of South Carolina, it doesn't look like it because the Gamecocks and Dawn Staley are 30-0. and 0. But I watched some of these other teams. They're good. They're really, really good. I think that there's more parity. I do think, I keep saying this, South Carolina is vulnerable heading into the NCAA tournament. This is not a done deal. The rest of the field is not cooked. South Carolina has to play the way they did today every time out from here on in in order to get Dawn Staley's second championship. Okay, we are up at Clemson, and it is raining, and it's coming down pretty good. It's pretty windy right now. This front is uh, moving through. Uh, It's made its presence known. Right now, the first pitch is scheduled for 7.30. I am by no means a meteorologist, so I'm not going to sit here and try and predict what the weather is going to do, so we'll just wait and see. Uh, what happens moving forward. We'll keep you up to date as best we can with everything else that's going on. So it's a Friday night. Smitty's with us. We're talking basketball. We're talking baseball. George Bryan will be with us to talk uh, golf. He's got I, – I, I'm not going to say who his guest is going to be. It was kind of an iffy thing, but I think it was an iffy thing on the positive side. 
We'll wait and see if it plays out, but he'll, ha- he'll have an excellent uh, guest. Uh, he and Robbie will have an excellent guest for birdies, bogeys, and biceps coming up at 730. Uh, we'll check in on the NASCAR scene uh, for this weekend as well. Jeff Owens uh, will have some recruiting for you. We'll talk more about the baseball matchup coming up. Uh, but at 630, and, you know, kind of uh, as a – I can't think of any other way to put it – as a public service and kind of uh, going outside of our comfort zone and going out off out of our lane, okay, because we are a sports talk show. I get that. Uh, but if you've been with us over the weeks of the Murdoch trial, uh, Jim Corbett, our good buddy, great lawyer, he joined us to give us some insight and some updates on what was going on from his perspective as a lawyer. Well, now that it's all over and he was quickly found guilty – and he was sentenced to a two life terms this morning. The Attorney General of the State of South Carolina, Alan Wilson, is going to join us at 6.30. You might know him better as the governor's foil in the football filibuster. Uh, but now I think he is known worldwide as the lead prosecutor in the state of South Carolina and does a fantastic job and was the man, the steadying influence, I would say, uh, from the outside looking in on the prosecution's uh, work in this particular case. Uh, he's going to join us at 6.30. We really appreciate that. I know he's been on, gosh, probably every major uh, news outlet in the country, if not the world today, and he's going to make some time for us uh, here in South Carolina and on Sports Talk because, and I know, Smitty, again, this is sort of out of our uh, out of our uh, area of, of so-called expertise it's not what we do and we won't obviously we don't do this on a daily basis but i just thought in this case this murder trial caught the attention of everybody in the state and everybody in the country and with our ability to reach across the state with our statewide network i thought it'd be a good idea to uh, dip our toe into this pool a little bit and uh and let people hear from the attorney general who was the uh the top the top guy for the state of South Carolina in prosecuting this case. So he'll be with us at six thirty. Yeah, there's certain things that take place that that as you said that put the spotlight on South Carolina, not always in a positive way. So we want to make sure we get the get our facts straight. And Alan Wilson, you know, he was right there in the courtroom, so he can certainly help us do that. I, I you know, you mentioned that one, Susan, the Susan Smith trial put a spotlight on South Carolina. And, and as you said, I think we have a responsibility. I agree with this, a responsibility to uh, to our listeners, because you know what? We're not just sports fans. We're all citizens of this great state of South Carolina. So let's make sure we know uh, everything that went down and we can tell this story to our grandkids the right way. Alan Wilson knows more than you and I do. And so we'll be educated. Okay, we're going to hit the break here on Sports Talk and come back and catch you up on some other things. We may have time to take some phone calls as well tonight. The phone number is 888-898-2525. That is the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number for you here on Sports Talk. And uh, time permitting, as we move on through the show, we'll take some calls. Since 2002, more than $2.2 billion in lottery proceeds have been used to fund life scholarships for the state's college-bound students. Learn more about the lottery's impact at sceducationlottery.com slash educationwins. Playing for fun is a win for education. We'll be right back. South Carolina's largest hunting, fishing, and outdoor expo takes center stage at the Palmetto Sportsman's Classic sponsored by Farm Bureau Insurance. 
Come on down for a good time with over 350 vendors, dark dogs competition, extreme raptor show, kids catfish pond, and much more family fun. Hope to see you at the Classic March the 24th through the 26th at the South Carolina State Fairgrounds. Have you turned on the fun? Try Cash Pop from the South Carolina Education Lottery. Pick one number from 1 to 15, win up to $2,500. Or play all 15 numbers, and you're guaranteed to win. Play twice a day to double your fun. It really is that easy. Visit sceducationlottery.com to get the details. Cash Pop is the light of the party. Score a touchdown with Founders Federal Credit Union. With services like Founders Online and the Founders app, you'll enjoy all the perks of a big bank with local personalized service. Not a member? Joining Founders Federal Credit Union is easy. Visit RelaxJoinFounders.com or one of our 37 convenient locations to see if you qualify for membership. Relax with Founders. Terms and conditions apply. Founders Federal Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. Okay, back we are. Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. Uh, let's update a couple of quick things, and we'll get to uh, your phone calls. Other scores from the SEC women, Ole Miss 77, Texas A&M 60, and uh, LSU is leading Georgia midway through the first quarter, 14-6. to And there is uh, one final game to come there tonight. Uh, what is that last game there tonight, Smitty? You have that in front of you? You should know. You're there. Maybe I can find it. It is. Uh, I got it if he doesn't. Who's Kentucky, coming up tonight? Kentucky and Tennessee. Georgia and LSU are playing right now. The Tigers lead 14-6. Okay. to six. But then how about Kentucky? Dead last in the SEC this year. Gamecock fans out there certainly remember that upset win over the Gamecocks in the SEC championship game last season. But they're only 2-14 and 14 in the conference thus far this year. But upset wins already over Florida in the first round, then Alabama last night, and tonight they have the three-seed Tennessee squad uh, scheduled for 8 o'clock. All right, very good. Uh, Some other basketball. We've got Mercer leading the Citadel, 42-25 Southern Conference Tournament. It's in the second half there. Asheville beat Charleston Southern in the Big South, 75-66. And also in the Big South, Campbell over Presbyterian, 68-63. North Carolina Central beat South Carolina State today, 71-64. Let's go to your phone calls as we go to Gamecock Larry up first tonight with us here on Sports Talk. Welcome in, sir. How are you tonight? I'm doing just fine, sir. How are you? We're doing tremendous. Great to hear from you. Well, I tell you what, I'm just laying here. Been watched that game this afternoon. And uh, if I tell you what, I, I'm kind of mixed. I want to. I don't. We gonna have to lose sometime, but I don't hope it ain't in the next ten out of ten games. So that's about all I'm gonna say about this basketball. But Tiger Barn, I got something to say to Tiger Barn. 
This is your buddy down here in Swanson, South Carolina, laying here thinking about uh, this baseball series. I ain't going to say much about the baseball series, but if we don't take two out of three from the Tigers this weekend, those nine wins, first nine wins, don't mean a thing to me. I mean, it don't mean mm. nothing. If we mm. don't get two out of three, and I'm telling you, I mean, I, I'm going to go ahead and say it. We gonna, Tiger Brown, we're going to sweep you. You swept us last year. <laughs> we're going to sweep you this year. If we don't sweep you, uh, call, call them let me know what we got to do. If we don't sweep you, um, you up there in Greenville, I can't, I can't ride my scooter that far, so I can't get, can't go out for dinner. Uh, can't make no dollar bets on on the radio. Well, I'll tell you what we'll gambling. do. I'll tell you what we'll do. Gamecock Larry, I, you know, do? Tiger Brian, actually, he's he's actually in Lancaster. If if they don't sweep, we'll get you and Tiger Brian on the phone together in a conference call, and you can. You can sing Tiger Rag to him. How about that? We'll let oh, you sing I, Tiger I, Rag to him. I got it. I got to learn the Tiger Rag, but I'll learn something. We'll, we'll, you get us on. We'll that. help you. We'll, we'll help you with the words. Pat will help you with the words. <laughs> it ain't real hard. It's basically just hold that tiger and say it over and over again. We'll be back in a moment. I want you to want me. All right, welcome back, everybody. It is Sports Talk. Here on the Sports Talk Media Network across the state of South Carolina, we're in a rain delay up here at Clemson. We knew that coming in because they announced earlier the first pitch would not come before 7.30 tonight, and it is absolutely. Now it is coming down with your cats and your dogs. Yeah. If we make 7.30, we'll be lucky. It is absolutely pouring out there right now, and it is windy. It is blowing hard. Maybe that's a sign it's going to move through quickly. But um, major, major storm now hitting us up here at Clemson. We'll see what happens. I can't see us playing at 730, but you never know. If it moves through quickly, they get the uh, field uh, cleaned up and dried up, we might hit that, hit that mark, but I'm kind of doubting it right now. So as I said you know, at the outset here that, uh, you know, we're a show, we're a sports show. We talk about the good things, and we talk about our, our coaches and, our, and our, the wins and the losses, and we get upset and – but that's playtime. It's, it's, it's games. It's not life and death. Um, but sometimes life and death uh, overtakes what we do in terms of importance. And we certainly had that in our state the last six weeks with the Murdoch trial in Walterboro, which is over and the sentencing announced this morning. I'm, I'm so appreciative of Attorney General Alan Wilson for joining us for a couple of minutes. I just thought it was it, it, we would be a great uh, outlet for people across the state to hear from the lead prosecutor, uh, the head man of the office who handled this case, who's been on worldwide television since all this uh, came down yesterday afternoon and this morning, and he's joined us for a few minutes. In general, uh, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Uh, how are you? Uh, what, what are your thoughts and feelings here this afternoon, this evening, after all this came to a conclusion? 
Well, I am currently driving back home to Lexington to reintroduce myself to my wife and my two teenagers um, who <laughs> probably don't know that they have a father anymore. Um, but I, I can tell you I am so proud, so, so, so proud of the men and women in our office. I've been right there with them last five, six weeks in the trenches, uh, up close and personal. I can tell you this is like nothing I've ever seen. Uh, but I'm so proud of them. I'm so proud of uh, SLED and our law enforcement partners down there and around the state who supported this effort. And uh, I'm just really excited and elated with the outcome. What was your feeling yesterday afternoon after arguments closed, the, the jury got the case, maybe you guys went out to have a cup of coffee, relax, maybe grab a bite to eat, thinking it was going to be a little while, and then within a couple of hours you get the word that the jury uh, had returned the verdict. Uh, t- fill us in on what you were doing and your immediate reaction when you got that word. Honestly, we were uh, we never left the courtroom. They, um, you know, the judge receded, you know, retired back to his chambers. Um, the other uh, other attorneys from the other side, they they went across the street. They had a place they were staying. We stayed up there with the court staff. Someone had a radio. They were playing some old eighties music, uh, very very low. We were just kind of sitting around in the pews. There was no no one was in the room but us, maybe a dozen people. Um, and we were just kind of chilling out. And um, I, what I told my staff, I said, it's kind of like election night uh, when the mm-hmm. polls have closed. You've either already won or already lost. You don't know what the vote count is. You just have to wait for it to be delivered to you. Um, and that's kind of the feeling. Um, I said, it's like running for office. You're waiting to find out your fate. And, uh, of course, it was less than a three-hour deliberation. Um, got word that the jury did not want dinner. Uh, that told us right there that they had come to their decision. And the fact that it had come back so close, or excuse me, come back so soon, uh, left me with a pretty solid feeling that we were going to get a guilty verdict. I, I didn't want to say it out loud because we were very superstitious, mm-hmm. but we felt like um, that quick turnaround meant one of two things. It wasn't a hung jury. It was either an acquittal or a conviction. And usually if it's an acquittal, with the, with the amount of evidence we had provided, the mountain of evidence over six weeks we had provided, it just led me to believe that we were going to get a guilty verdict. When in the process of investigating and compiling the evidence and putting your case together with your, with your compadres in your office, at what point in the process did you believe that you had a, a winnable case? Was it when the, the video in the phone was discovered? Was that kind of the turning point in the office or something else? So, First off, there was no one piece of evidence or one piece of information that was like silver bullet that just had that nailed him to the wall. There was nothing like that. Um, but the, the kennel video that came up months and months after the murders had occurred and months after he had locked himself into his uh, timeline and his narrative that he was never down at the kennels, uh, we get the kennel video. And, of course, there was a phone call that he had um, – there was a phone call between Paul Murdoch and another young man who testified at trial where the young man said he heard Alec in the background. But, you know, Alec Murdoch said, well, no, he misheard it. I wasn't there. Uh, And then the kennel video comes out, and it's hard to argue with that. And so he was locked into his story, which he had to, at trial, when he took the stand, recant and, and, and redirect and come up with a new narrative. And so when he did that, obviously we felt really confident that this jury knows this guy's a liar, that he's good at manipulating. The question is, could they make the leap from liar to murderer? And, uh, and we were able to convince them uh, with the evidence we had uh, accumulated 
that this that he in fact had come to a point in his life where he was willing to do what he needed to do to preserve his way of life, which is murder his mm. wife and his son. Visiting with State Attorney General Alan Wilson here for a few more minutes. So how well I'm going to ask this from an ignorant perspective. It might be an obvious question with an easy answer, but the Murdaws and their history, the family history of um, being lawyers and being solicitors, I imagine the Attorney General's office had a lot of contact with that family over the years, over the decades, over the centuries, I guess, going back to the great-grandfather. How well did you know um, Alec Murdaugh before all this happened? Did, did you guys have a prior relationship? Uh, I, I had met Alec Murdoch maybe 10 or 12, 12 years, maybe right around the time I was running for attorney general the first time, so 12-plus years ago. Um, and I'd met the brother, his brothers. Um, but the, the one that I knew was Randolph Murdoch, uh, then Solicitor Murdoch, um, who was the solicitor at the time. I was working for Donnie Myers here in Lexington County, and, and he, Donnie and Solicitor Murdoch were very good friends. And Solicitor Myers had taken me down there to meet him one time when I was running, and I had an opportunity to have a very lengthy conversation with Randolph Murdoch, who, who as you know, passed away days after the murder. Um, and, I, and I knew Solicitor Murdoch, who was a very good prosecutor and, and treated me with a great deal of kindness. In fact, a number of our older prosecutors on our team had worked with Solicitor Murdoch at, at a point in time. But I had not spoken to Solicitor Murdoch in many years. And honestly, when I met Alec, it was one time maybe 12 or 13 years ago. And other than that, I really had no connection with him whatsoever. So as this thing is now over, and of course, being in the position you were in, you were privy to everything that you guys uh, turned up. We're talking about the videos, the photos, all the evidence that you could accumulate. Um, what impact does this trial have on you as you as you walk away from it? So, well, it, it, there's multiple impacts. And I'll tell you, one of the things that I heard more than just about anything is that there's this perception that there's two criminal justice systems in the state of South Carolina, one for the haves and one for the have-nots. And there were so many people out there that were pulling so hard for a conviction because they believed in, in their soul that – there are certain people because of who they are or who, what their last name is or what they do, somehow because of their station in society, that they're above the law and that they can get out of anything. And you know, as, as, as you recall the boat case several years before the murders, you know, that, that narrative was out there, that there's corruption and there's powerful people and that, that they're going to get out of this. And what I hope that this trial does for people out there who, who question the system and, and I tell people all the time, we have the worst criminal justice system in the world except for every other kind. And, and that's a, a hmm. kind of a funny way of saying there is, there is no perfect criminal justice system because it's created by human beings. And, and in this country and in, in where we live, there's, there's nothing better out there than what we have. Now, is it imperfect? Are there people out there who abuse it? Is there corruption? It exists. But what I'm hoping people will take away from this and what I hope my office is able to do is – show this state and the people in that community that not even Alec Murdoch is beyond the, the long arm of the law and that justice prevailed. And honestly, at the end of the day, this isn't a political statement about criminal justice reform or public corruption. This is a statement about two people were brutally murdered and a community was destroyed, a family was destroyed, 
and 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 there's there's a there are real lives at stake here. That this isn't like a Hollywood movie. Real people are suffering, including people in that family. And so I hope that people will keep that in mind and bear that in mind as you watch all the stories out there and the documentaries they're making. I'm sure there'll be movies and TV programs. There were real lives there, and regardless of what you thought of the people at the heart of the story, lives were destroyed, and and, are, and, a, and a family was is forever changed, forever changed. But the takeaway for me is that I hope that my office and, and the, the little role that I played is able to restore people's faith in the system. That's what I hope people will take away. Let me ask you two quick things. We'll let you go. More of a uh, technical type of questions as far as uh, what's up now. So where does Alec Murdoch go? Where where will he spend his uh, time in prison? So he is going in for in-processing with the Department of Corrections. Um, I believe they'll take him. They brought him here to Columbia tonight. Um, he will be here for about 30, somewhere between 30 to 45 days. I, I think it just depends. And he'll be assessed. They'll make a determination on which prison system, which prison he will go to. Um, you know, obviously they, they do all those evaluations and then he will, he will be sent to the facility where he will reside for the remainder of his day. Um, and that, that'll take about a month to a month and a half. And are you expecting an appeal from his side? Of course. Yes. The defense has already said they're going to appeal. They all, you know, they, they've been very public about that. And, you know, what I tell people, that's part of the criminal justice system. They have a job to do, just like I have a job to do, and they're going to appeal, and they're going to fight it, and they're going to try to get it overturned, and my office is going to defend it on appeal um, all the way to the Supreme Court um, if we have to. But uh, that's how it works, and, and we're going to be there every step of the way. But for right now, uh, we're, going to all, we're all going to return home to our families and get back to work on Monday doing our job. General, thank you so much. We appreciate it. I know it's been a uh, tough hard but maybe satisfying day for you we appreciate you making some time out for us uh enjoy the weekend with your family getting to know everybody again and we'll talk to you again soon hey phil i just want to say it's great to see you outside of football season and it's so nice to be on a on a program with you where jim hodges isn't kicking my butt in football picks it's it's very refreshing (laughs) (laughs) well look uh look at the trial as you building some momentum into the 2023 football season all right (laughs) <laughs> yes, sir. Y'all take care. Go hug your family. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you so much. Right. Attorney General Alan Wilson with us here on Sports Talk. We really appreciate it. Uh, you might know him better as uh, the uh, competitor against the governor, uh, Jim Hodges, in the football filibuster in the fall. But in his real life, in his real job, that's what he does. He is the state's lead prosecutor as the attorney general. We appreciate him uh, coming on with us tonight. And, uh, you know, talking about something that we ordinarily wouldn't talk about on the show. But some, from time to time, these things come up, and we like to address them if, if it's something that has a big impact here in the state of South Carolina. All right, uh, let's go to the break. As I check the weather, it's still, it's still ugly out there. Um, heavy rain, very dark clouds, and um, now the wind seems to have calmed down a little bit. So I don't know. I haven't gotten an update. I haven't seen an update uh, from a Clemson. It's, it's in Clemson's hands as the home team, as you heard Mark Kingston say last night. It's in the hands of the home team, so they'll be directing this thing. We'll be back after the break. We'll continue in a moment.
George Bryant here for Tsunami Bar Sports, and some say the fun is in the winning. I say the fun is in the training. And Tsunami Robbie, what do you say? George, we all know you get more done when you're having fun. This technology is different. It's engaging, but it's also a lot of fun to use. Hi, this is Phil Kornblut. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any Tsunami Bar order using promo code BBB5. Don't wait. Order today. We're with Major Billy Downer of DNR Major. It's always a good time for folks to remember to get those licenses renewed. Doesn't matter what time of year, it's always a season in, whether it's fishing or hunting. Make sure to check your licenses, make sure they're up to date. If you need a hunting or fishing license, you may go to www.dnr.sc.gov to purchase your license online or to any local license vendor in your local area. And don't forget to join us for SC Wild from DNR with Major Billy Downer on Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. Parents ask, what's the best way to save for college? I'm State Treasurer Curtis Loftus, and my answer is always open a Future Scholar 529 college savings account. It's easy. You can get started online with any amount. It's flexible to adapt to your child's college dreams. And you can deduct 100% of your contributions from the South Carolina state tax return. So what are you waiting for? Go to futurescholar.com and see why it's the smart, easy way to save for college. Futurescholar.com. Thanks again to uh, General Alan Wilson for being with us tonight. Much appreciated his time. Uh, again, got to be tough. I, you know, I don't know how you go through something like that and see everything and know everything that he knows and not have it affect you. He probably just needs some time to go and, um, and chill out, maybe, maybe drink a cold one or two and relax a little bit. So we appreciate him being on with us tonight. Let me give you the lineups for tonight. They have been announced and I'll share that with you here in just a moment. No update on a start time other than right now, still set for 7.30. So the Gamecocks will start out like this with their lineup. Second base will be Will McGillis as the leadoff. Braylon Wimmer at shortstop batting second. Caleb Denny in right hitting third on a, what, 37-game on-base streak. Uh, Cole Messina, the catcher, hitting fourth. Gavin Cassis, the D.H., Batting fifth, Ethan Petrie playing first base, hitting sixth. Talmadge Lecroy playing third base and hitting seventh. Carson Horning is in left field and uh, batting eighth. And Evan Stone in center field and hitting ninth. Those are the two players that Mark Kingston said he expects them to get going offensively. Horning's hitting 174 and Stone is hitting 150. For Clemson, leading off the catcher, Cooper Engel. Batting second and playing first base will be Caden Grice, batting 333. But I would expect he does not have a home run, so you got to imagine he's going to break out here sooner or later, right? This guy's got too much power to go uh, 10 games or more without a homer. Blake Wright hitting third, playing third base. Cam Canarella in center field and hitting in the four spot. Batting fifth, the shortstop, Benjamin Blackwell. In left field, hitting sixth, Will Taylor. Chad Ferry in right, hitting seventh. Uh, Jack Crichton, the DH, 
hitting, uh, batting in the eighth spot, and Riley Bertram playing second base and hitting in the number nine spot for the Tigers. So there you go with the starting lineup tonight. Will Sanders will be your starter on the mound for South Carolina, 1-0 with a 2.00 ERA. And for Clemson, Austin Gordon, who has uh, no record and an ERA of 6.10 to this point. Okay, let's get back to your phone calls. 888-898-2525. Let's go to Keith in Camden. Up next with us tonight, Keith, welcome in. How are you? Hey, Phil, I'm doing great. How are y'all? We're doing great. Thank you. Yeah, well, uh, that uh, Nancy Grace segment, uh, (laughs) I'll tell you what, you know, to me, it's just, it's a, it's a sad day no matter what side you're on and not being someone sitting on the jury. Uh, it's just really tough watching everybody that uh, Netflix, whoever's got an opinion and knows what they're talking about. But I would just say when we live in a city that uh, has the same murder rate per capita as Chicago, Uh, I think about all those families from years past that cases haven't come to court yet. But, you know, when it's about power and money, they move them to the front of the docket. I I don't understand Mm. that. But but I appreciate you giving us that insight. And, um, you know, it is a part of life. My question is, uh, with what we possibly have, uh, available, who or where are we looking to beef up the running back room? And you can talk about that when you get to recruiting, or you can talk about it now, my friend. <laughs> we'll do it now. I'm glad you mentioned that because uh, a story came out this morning about South Carolina football in that Lavoisier Carroll is retiring from football because of his injuries. So that's another running back no longer with the Gamecock football team uh, going into the season. So this was a guy who had a lot of promise coming out of high school. He originally went to Georgia, and he went Georgia. there to play a defensive back. Yeah, originally went to Georgia. Mm-hmm. Signed with Georgia over South Carolina, and they had him at defensive back. But he didn't play much there, so he transferred to South Carolina last year, was on the team last year, but didn't play a whole lot. At running back, he was way, way on down the list. I think the hope was that this spring he was going to get a chance to show his stuff and and be a factor. But the injuries, whatever injuries he has, uh, caught up with him. And so he has decided not to uh, continue with his football career and is calling it a day. And, you know, never going to second guess, criticize a player for doing that because the player knows when he can't go anymore. So. If, uh, if if the injuries had taken a toll on him, so be it. As far as who they are recruiting at running back, who they have a, a decent shot with, who they really want, they're very high on Daniel Hill out of Meridian, Mississippi, 6'1", 215. They're on him really hard. They're very high on Peyton Lewis out of Salem, Virginia, 6'1", 190. Those are two guys they're going after uh, pretty heavily. Also, Braylon Russell. From Benton, Arkansas, they're on him, 6'1", 225. He's kind of a bigger back. Jaden Scott from Stockbridge, Georgia is another one that the South Carolina has been recruiting, 5'10", 190. 
Yasin Willis out of New Jersey, six feet two oh two is another. So those are uh, those are some of the names that we're following. I'd throw Kevin Riley in there as well out of Northport, Alabama, as another possibility. Five eleven, one sixty five. So that's some of the ones that they are recruiting right now. And if you look at the the current depth chart going into spring practice, and we'll see how things develop in the spring uh, as they they get into practice and and move people around. But, uh, you know, McDowell certainly appears to be the the number one guy at running back now as that room gets a little thinner and thinner. Um, they, you know, he's he's the veteran guy. He's, he's had the most carries of anybody in that room right now. And so, uh, but people always question, is he big enough, strong enough yeah, to handle does he have enough uh, carrying the ball handle? enough in the SEC? Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. My thought is, well, yeah. you know what? Get him out in space and don't let him get hit, and, and he can carry the ball 20 <laughs> times. Yeah. I mean, he's well, look, he's Phil, not a you guy did. that you're going to really want to try and run that much between the tackles, but with his speed, Absolutely you certainly not. want to get him outside. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, as always, man, I listen every night, and mainly your recruiting uh, is just second to none, and uh, just appreciate it. Pat, well, thank have you. A good one. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Uh, Smitty, what do you think about Gamecock running backs and, uh, you know, McDowell possibly having to carry the load for them this year, the way things are shaping up in that room? You know, everybody we talk to says he's not built to carry the load. But, hey, I I think he's explosive. And maybe you you change the offense a little bit. And one name I threw out, and I I just want to make sure there's no change, right? I remember we interviewed Mario Anderson, right, transferring Mm -hmm. in from Newberry. Um, yep. So he's someone that that could potentially uh, contribute because you never know who that's going to be, right? I mean, Juice Wells, we didn't know that Juice Wells was going to be this kind of impact player before he got on campus. So you never know. Uh, I, I really, really like what I've seen out of Juju McDowell. Maybe he can't carry the load, but I think he can absolutely be uh, an impact player, especially getting him the ball out of the backfield. And with Spencer Rattler, maybe this offense changes a little bit going into Rattler's last season at South Carolina. Well, that's two players to retire from South Carolina now, Lavoisier Carroll and Jesse Sanders retiring earlier in the week from the tight end room. So a couple of guys coming off the roster going into a spring ball. We'll be back. Top of the hour break. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. Okay, back we are, Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. Rain delay continues up here at Clemson after the big storm blew through. Now, it's blown through, and it's just uh, wet and kind of drippy out there. looks like the wind is abated as well. So maybe, maybe we'll be in a position to get things going around 730. If not, shortly thereafter, we'll keep you up to date if we hear something more on the start time uh, between now and around 730. But haven't seen anything. I am obviously removed from the stadium right now uh, doing the show, which is good. I don't want to be around a bunch of grumpy old media people waiting for a a game to begin. So uh, I don't know what, if anything, is being uh, said inside the, the press box 
about things, but the lineups have been posted, and best I can tell, right now we're still looking at a 7.30 start time tonight between the uh, the Tigers and the Gamecocks. I uh, want to say this, that, um, you know, don't like to share a bunch of personal stuff on the air, Smitty, and, and Pat, you get that. But, Pat, you'll understand this. Maybe you can help me out. So I got a, a new phone today. First new phone I've gotten in like seven years, okay? And so the process is a real pain. I think we all can agree with that. And I'm going through setting up my phone, and I come to the page here at the very beginning of the setup, and it asks me, how do you identify? And I look at it, and I go, how do I identify? And it's got like a little caricature of a male, a little caricature of a female, and it's got other. And so I clicked on other, and my phone started making animal noises. And I said, no, that's not me today. So then I clicked on the female character, and my phone started yelling at me. Then I said, no, that's, that's not me today. So then I clicked on the male character, and I got a that-a-boy out of it. So I think I got it right. That's a joke. I don't hear anybody laughing. Why is nobody laughing at my joke? I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> because, because Pat doesn't want to be canceled, Phil. <laughs> no, my point is in all this, I didn't realize when you got a new phone and you're setting it up that you had to identify what you were at that particular time. I mean, I could have identified myself as anything. Um, so I just thought I'd share that little hilarious, funny story with you. That well, there, there, are some, there are some names that could go either way, obviously, that are both for male and female. You know, Lynn, as an example, could be a male or a female. You know, there's a lot of names like that. Yeah, Philip usually Phil. goes for male. Yep, that's, yep, that's, <laughs> that's going to be a male. I, I, but I, I was just, I was... I was listening to you, and I just wondered, as I've been listening to you for the last half hour, Phil, I'm just surprised. Maybe we ran out of time. I noticed you didn't ask Attorney General Wilson if, his, uh, if he was afraid that his team of, of lawyers was going to quit at halftime, the way that you asked Shane Beamer earlier this year. That's what I was thinking about. But you know. No, 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 no. Because they were winning. They knew they were winning. So why they were, they Okay, they, they were, were ahead. They were, yeah. They were winning. So, yeah, they, they knew they were in good shape, as you could tell in his voice. They were very confident going in. Okay, uh, that joke went over like a Chinese lead balloon. <laughs> boom, boom. <laughs> so, oh, you like that one, Smitty. You like the international joke. Oh, no. Yes, uh, yes. Um, I, look, okay. we're just trying not to get canceled. You, you, you've got us talking about murder trials. We're just treading carefully, okay? We're just treading <laughs> carefully. That's all. Hey, just to go back and complete the last thought on Gamecock running backs. Yeah, you mentioned Mario Anderson. He'll be interesting to watch. And also they have a freshman, Dontavius Braswell. But really, you got McDowell and you've got Anderson and you got Braswell in camp. And then you have uh, a former walk-on. DJ Twitty, who I think is still there, transfer. I have to update my roster. Uh, and Bradley Dunn was on the roster from last year, another walk-on. So, I mean, they're, they're pretty thin in the running back spot. They're pretty thin at the defensive end position going into spring. So they'll have to 
They'll have to do some developing there. They may even find somebody in, a, uh, in the transfer portal, John, sometime in May or later that might come in and be able to help them out. Okay, uh, back to the phone calls we go. Uh, we've got Jeff Owens coming up. We've got recruiting coming up as well. Uh, we've got George Bryan uh, coming up too. We've got a lot ahead of us here as we go back to the phones and then we'll drop in some recruiting. And uh, next up here on Sports Talk is going to be, as I hem and haw looking for my list, oh, it's Tiger Bryan. Tiger Bryan in Lancaster. Welcome in, sir. How are you? Man, I'm doing great. Hey, but hey, look, long as I'm breathing, breath I breathe, I'll boycott if they try to knock y'all out, protest y'all or something. Man, come on. There you man. go. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. You know, hey, I got y'all's back if ain't nobody at your back. We but can always count what? on you, TB. Hey, you know what? I, I, I got to give a shout-out for it. Melanchthon Bruins were down there aching last night for state championship basketball, boys. You know, we'll come back in. Yeah. Yeah, it was ugly. What did it end up? I know at halftime you were really, uh, really getting forty. Man, it like I quit watching it at first quarter. Yeah, first quarter. Yeah, I kept checking it. Yeah, it was yeah. like uh, twenty-one to seven. Yeah. Half well, time, you went up against uh, Irmo, of course. I don't can't tell you how many state championships Tim Whipple's won at Irmo, both in five A and now four A, but it's a bunch. It's a bunch. Well, it's been a long time since we had a chance. It's been a long time, Corn, since life's the Bruins. That's my alma mater. I graduated mm-hmm. there '81. Hey, with honors, believe it or not. Anyway, with honors, uh, been, with honors. Yeah. Oh yeah. I was honors, man. Hey, <laughs> don't let your talk fool you now. <laughs> mm. But uh, well, I'm honored yeah. to know you. Oh. Yeah, I'm honored to know y'all. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? I. Them people, the, the I, that Murdoch thing, you know. I mean, I feel sorry. Well, for, let me uh, let me break in real quick. Let me break in real quick. First pitch now eight fifteen. First pitch eight fifteen. Go ahead. Uh, well, yeah, I feel sorry for the the young and that's living there. Yeah, it's alive. You know, I mean, his name's gonna be tarnished. You know, from what his daddy did or whatever. I don't know. God's the only one knows it, but but you know I, I appreciate y'all putting them uh, DAs on there and all. Yeah, some people say, "Ah, oh, it's sports talk," but this is state South Carolina. That means a lot to us. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and thank you. That was my thinking that this is a a one-off sort of thing. I mean, you know, we'll never do that again. I, I don't think, and I. I certainly hope that we'll not have this situation anymore in the future, you know, where we got this sort of notoriety. And, I mean, let's face it, this case took on national and international prominence. So I just felt like as a a sports talk show first, but as a media outlet uh, second, or maybe that should be the other way around, media outlet first and sports talk show second, whatever the case may be, I just felt like we could provide a little bit of something to the conversation. And with our relationship with the general – I felt I could reach out to him if he had time uh, to join us, that he would, and, and he graced us with a few minutes, and I really appreciate it. Well, you know, uh, you've got my ex, 
the governor used to come from South Carolina. You was talking about him. They do the picking the ball games and all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they do. They do you a great what? job for us on Friday hey, nights. Hey, let me ask you this question before I leave, and I'm going to give you a shout-out to my – we had a, a friend of mine I grew up with, died, and we buried him today. He was a, he was a big Gamecock fan. I was getting – you know, we was brothers from a different mother. Jimmy Steele, hmm. rest in peace. But uh, happy uh, – how many home runs South Carolina's going to hit us hit against my Tigers this week? Weekend. What do you think? 50, what do you think? I'd say 10 or better. They lead the you nation. You hit how many? Home runs. I'd say it's you, 10 you think, at least. You think the I Gamecocks think, will hit 10 home runs this weekend? Against my South Carolina, yeah. I mean, against my Tigers, yeah. 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 Yeah, only. I do. Okay. I mean, well, we'll I, see. Yeah. And th- Tiger Brian, thank you. We got to run on, but I appreciate it very uh, much. Uh, we'll see buddy. if the Gamecocks y'all, have the best. Y'all are the top, y'all are the top sports talk in the nation. Hey, y'all ain't no second to none. Ain't they? they well, we, y'all the best we, of the best. We, I thank you. We, we thank you. We thank you for that. Really appreciate it. All right. Um, Thank you, Tiger Brian. Couple of things I need to mention. Uh, then I got to do recruiting here. Um, Eight fifteen now. First pitch. Gamecocks Tigers. So we know that. And also, we're just coming out of Las Vegas. Chase Elliott is out of this weekend's race at Las Vegas. Jeff Owens will talk more about this coming up. He had a snowboarding accident, and he is out for this weekend. So he is going to be replaced. Let's see if I can find the story again real quick here he's going to be replaced by josh berry will replace him at las vegas so snowboarding accident suffered a leg injury having surgery so i gotta believe he'll be out longer than just this weekend so that's a blow for that team and a blow for nascar not having their most popular driver available for who knows how long jeff will tell us more i'm sure about that coming up in the meantime we do have to get to the recruiting report Phil, real so let's fast, do that. Or, real fast before mm-hmm. you do that, just before we move on yes. from baseball as well. So now that we have first pitch scheduled for eight fifteen p.m., let's say it lasts three hours. Game goes to eleven. Hopefully, there's no rain delays. Tomorrow's first pitch is tentatively scheduled for one p.m. at Floor Field in Greenville. Do you think there's a chance if this game continues late into the evening that that game tomorrow may get pushed back? Should we be looking for an announcement on that? You think? Yeah, I think, um, and I think we. Uh, that was mentioned last night when we were talking to the coaches. Maybe um, I asked them just have to wait and ago. see. Okay. Yeah, have to have to wait and see what happens, how long this one takes. If it goes into the wee hours, you know, if it gets delayed any any longer or anything like that. But I, I would say if it ends up at eleven, twelve o'clock, they'll keep it on schedule tomorrow. These are young guys; they can handle it. They can bounce back in a hurry. That's what I would think. Okay, let's now go to the recruiting report for tonight. Uh, brought to you by Seawells. And the folks at Seawells want to remind you that if you've got something important coming up that remain, that needs the best in the catering business, then you want to give them a call at Seawells. 803-771-7385 is the number. And you can check out their website at SeawellsCateringSC.com. Very best in the catering business for any special event, like a wedding reception, a birthday party, a corporate outing, 
Maybe you want to throw together some kind of a tailgate sort of thing. They can help you out with all of that. They'll come to your location or they can host at their location. And the Daily Luncheon Buffet returns next week from 11 till 2. It's only $13. Get over and enjoy the Daily Luncheon Buffet at Seawells throughout the week. So in recruiting tonight, USC is going after a big-time tight end in California, Los Alamitos, California, Devon Mitchell, who is 6'4", 245. He is a top target for the Gamecocks. He's named the top 11 of USC, Tennessee, Penn State, Oregon, Ohio State, Texas, Alabama, Southern Cal, Oklahoma, Texas A&M, and Georgia. He has a prior relationship with the Gamecocks' new offensive coordinator, Dowell Loggins, dating back to when Loggins was a tight ends coach at Arkansas. He likes him a lot. He said that's why he's interested in South Carolina is because he likes Dowell Loggins a great deal and liked him when he was recruiting him at Arkansas. He's not been to South Carolina before, still learning more and more about the program, but he does plan to get out to South Carolina sometime this summer. He was impressed with what Loggins did with Terry Knox at Arkansas, and of course Terry Knox is now at South Carolina. Mitchell attended junior days at Texas A&M and Oklahoma. He plans to visit Tennessee March 24th. He's also looking at Southern Cal and Penn State for spring visits, and he does not foresee making a decision until his season at the earliest. And the relationships with the coaching staff, he said, that is highly important to him. A baseball note, 2025 infielder Jackson Moore of Hartsville committed to Clemson. Uh, Now a little bit more in football. 2025 linebacker and safety Jacorby Hobson Jr. is going to make South Carolina one of his spring visits. He's also got Louisville, Ohio State, LSU, Oregon, Mississippi State, Florida, Ole Miss, Auburn, Texas A&M, Florida State and Arkansas State. No, make that Arkansas. Make that the Razorbacks. Uh, he is out of Mississippi, by the way. And South Carolina is uh, working him. Tight end defensive end Patrick Swiger to Batesburg Leesville is going to go to Clemson as a PWO. He had PWO offers from Clemson and South Carolina. He has opted to go to Clemson. USC is set for a visit from defensive end Dylan Stewart of Washington on April the 14th. He also plans to visit this spring Michigan, Ohio State, Georgia, Penn State, Colorado, Oregon, and Tennessee. He was also at USC for the junior day on January 21st. USC target running back Peyton Lewis was offered by Alabama and by Purdue. West Florence safety Kelvin Hunter has set an unofficial visit to Virginia Tech for March 23rd, an official visit to USC on June 23rd, He also plans to visit Clemson at some point, but no date has been set for him at this point. And that will do it for tonight's recruiting report brought to you by Seawells. All right, let's hit our final break. When we come back, we'll jump into the fast lane with Jeff Owens, get his thoughts on what happened there with Chase Elliott, everything else going on around NASCAR as we go into the racing weekend at Las Vegas. And then coming up, 735 birdies bogeys and biceps with uh, george bryan and uh, robbie fames and and perhaps pretty uh, interesting special guest that uh, george tells me he might have tonight we'll be back in a moment 
Hi, I'm Jim Corbett. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years. There's one thing I've learned about injury cases. It's you need the personal touch. You need the lawyer to get to know you and describe your damages. You don't want a case manager talking to an insurance company and then talking to you and then talking to maybe to a lawyer with limited experience at the last minute to try to settle a case. I talk to you. I find out what your case is about. Jim at JimCorbettAttorney.com. Jim at JimCorbettAttorney.com for your injury cases. Parents ask, what's the best way to save for college? I'm State Treasurer Curtis Loftus, and my answer is always open a Future Scholar 529 college savings account. It's easy. You can get started online with any amount. It's flexible to adapt to your child's college dreams. And you can deduct 100% of your contributions from the South Carolina state tax return. So what are you waiting for? Go to futurescholar.com and see why it's the smart, easy way to save for college. Futurescholar.com. Life, it has its ups and downs. Sometimes it's little things like hitting every red light or dropping your cell phone. Maybe it's the bills, rent, or pressure at work. But when it comes to the South Carolina Education Lottery, you should never feel like playing will solve everything. The lottery is a game. It's played for fun. So set a dollar amount. Expect not to win and make sure responsibilities, family, friends, and work come first. Visit PlayResponsiblySC.com. Racing boys, boys, come on, let me hear you. Let's go racing boys, Smitty. I can hear you. Let's go racing boys and lose our shirts in Las Vegas. We welcome in Jeff Owens in the fast lane. Jeff, a former veteran NASCAR rider, now in the uh, the the card business. The uh, what do you call it? It's the. I mean, you're just not doing regular cards. You do the. The expensive, um, hard to find uh, sports memorabilia and cards, that sort of stuff. Yeah, not really. No, uh, okay. I wish. I wish I could afford that. No, we run a magazine that covers the whole industry and um, cover cards and memorabilia and all that stuff, and uh, dabble in it a little bit, but the cheap stuff, not the expensive kind like you can afford. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll <laughs> see what Yankees I can do. Those Yankees cards are the most most expensive on the market, by the way. Uh, do you have a uh, Horace Clark from uh, 1968, maybe? No, but I got plenty of Roy White. <laughs> Roy White used to be one of my faves. Loved Roy yeah, White loved back in the day. Extension. Yeah. All right, let's, let's get into the NASCAR because the story broke just a few minutes ago. Chase Elliott out this weekend and who knows how long what do you know what have you heard wow that is news to me i had not heard that uh concussion or what's going on no he had a snowboarding accident and he broke a leg and it's going to have surgery oh my goodness no i had not heard that uh wow that is uh that is a blow for sure i mean that's that's the sport's most popular driver and um a former champion 
uh, a contender again this year. He finished second last week, so that is a huge blow, uh, not only to Hendrick Motorsports, uh, but to the sport. I mean, to lose a guy like that, that's like losing Dale Jr. Uh, they went through that before when he had a concussion, and uh, it definitely has an impact. Uh, he's got a huge fan base, and uh, they'll probably lose part of that audience. So uh, a blow to the sport, and uh, boy, that's awful news. I hate to hear that. Josh Berry is going to replace him. What do you know about him? Xfinity driver, uh, drives for Dale Jr. in the Xfinity series. And, of course, they have a relationship there with Hendrick Motorsports. Hendrick uh, uh, supports Dale Jr.'s Xfinity team. So he's a guy that, that's got a little bit of an experience. Uh, he's raced for them the last three years, I believe. Hasn't won a lot of races, but uh is a guy that doesn't also make a lot of mistakes, doesn't get in a lot of wrecks. Uh, so that's inter- that's an interesting choice. Uh, I thought they might go with someone with a little bit more experience, but uh, we'll see how he does. Uh, you know, you take a guy like that and you put him in Hendrick equipment in one of the fastest cars in the sport, uh, it makes him look good sometimes. So uh, we'll see what happens. That's how Alex Bowman got his ride at Hendrick. He filled in for Dale Jr. when Jr. had his concussion issues, and he wound up uh, basically taking over that ride when Jr. retired. So uh, let's hope that doesn't happen in this case, but a good opportunity for a guy like Josh Berry. Let's touch on Kyle Busch back at his home track. He's already won the pole for the truck race. I mean, the guy just, uh, he loves the race, and very popular winner, I thought, uh, last weekend. The crowd gave him... Uh, a lot of cheers, maybe a few boos mixed in because of, uh, you know, that's, they love to boo him. But it sounds like folks are kind of coming over to his side now that he has gone over to a Richard Childress Racing. Is that alone enough to change a driver's image uh, in the minds of the fans? Yeah, well, we'll see. You're right. He has gained a ton of fans. Uh, and I think that there's two things there. Moving to Chevrolet. You know, Toyota still, after all these years, has a lot of fans who, who don't like Toyota. So I think that factored into the disdain for Kyle a little bit. Now he moves into the more popular Chevrolet camp and also with one of the, the most successful and historic teams out there in Richard Childress Racing, of course, which has got those long ties to Dale Earnhardt. So and there's a lot of people out there that, you know, kind of see a comparison between the two. So I think this is a perfect opportunity for Kyle, and I think we're going to see a lot more of what we saw last week. He's got momentum. He seems really comfortable in this situation. He seems more focused uh, and committed than we've seen him the last few years, and, and nobody likes to win more than that guy. So I think this could be a perfect situation for him. I think we're gonna. I think he's gonna win a lot of races, and I think he's gonna be up there all year long, and, and and be a title contender. And he's at his home track this weekend, so would not be surprised at all to see him make it two in a row. Jeff, as always, we appreciate you. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the race. Talk to you next week. We'll see what happens with the uh, Elliott team between now and then. See how this race plays out, and uh, and then move on from there. We thank you, sir. Have a great weekend. All right, guys, have a good weekend. You too. Thank you so much. Right now, qualifying is going on, and Bush, Kyle Bush, has the fastest speed at 180.156. So right now he sits on the pole as they have qualifying going on in Las Vegas. After the break, it's birdies, bogeys, biceps around South Carolina. We'll be back in a moment. 
It is time for another edition of Birdies, Bogies, and Biceps, my favorite part, the Biceps part. Around the state of South Carolina for the uh, Birdies, we welcome in George Bryan. I bring the Bogies and the Biceps, Rob Thames joining us. Rob, of course, from Tsunami Bar Sports. Great to have the two of them with us. We were going to have a third party join us tonight, George, but that will be delayed perhaps until next week. Let me welcome the two of you to the program. How are you, gentlemen? George, lead us off. Oh, couldn't be better. And I like days like today and the last couple of weeks. Wow. Beautiful spring weather. And we got lots going on. Two tour events. Boys golf season kicks off. And before I get too excited, welcome Tsunami. Robbie, how you doing? Man, I'm doing fantastic, George and Phil. Good to be with you guys again tonight. And uh, you're right, lots of golf going on. So I'm looking forward to hearing and talking about it. Absolutely. And so, Absolutely. I feel sorry. Uh, uh, I start off, I hope I don't get a penalty before I even hit the first shot. But good friend, longtime friend, Jerry Martin, had him, uh, ran into him today and gave him one of those short notice invites. Uh, and he kind of hesitated. He, I knew he had plans and, he said, if I finish dinner in time, he, he, apparently he's, he's in a rough place where he doesn't have cell service, so we'll tee it up next week with Jerry. But I did have the chance to mix it up a couple times this week with him, and uh, what we'll do is I love talking all sports. Golf's my favorite, but baseball close to my heart too. Tsunami Robbie, I know it's close to yours. Phil, I, I, my guess is you uh, – have a special feeling for the ball, the the baseball as well. Well, I mean, it's bigger than the golf ball, so you would think it's easier to hit. And uh, I was a career two forty two hitter with one homer and about six RBIs <laughs> in my career. More errors than RBIs. I don't know what that means when you – I don't know what my uh, – from an analytical standpoint, I don't know what my war is. Uh, and all that kind of stuff, but it's probably not very good. <laughs> probably hey, not I'll tell very you what, good. You can, flat, you can flat talk some baseball. Yeah, I love to talk it. I love to watch it. Absolutely. I, nothing, I mean, college games are great. Nothing like going to a Major League Baseball game, man. Now, Jerry, is he a, uh, is, is he a golfer per se? Is, is that part of the deal, too? Is he oh. a big-time golfer? Oh, I tell you what, he sneaked. He's kind of sneaky good at golf, and I think I can tell. Now, again, I go back with uh, Jerry Martin. I watched him play baseball. I used to always got intrigued with anybody that made it locally, and he did, 10 years in the Major League Baseball leagues. And then what some folks don't realize is he coached baseball. He was a hitting instructor in in the big leagues. I don't know how much time he actually spent in the big leagues, but in minors, bouncing around, different a uh, couple of different teams probably 20 25 years so his children his boy josh 
and my boys grew up together. And so I, I've known Terry a long time, even before children, and love mixing it up with him about the commonalities in baseball and golf and what's harder to hit, the baseball or the golf ball. If you'd have asked Terry two weeks ago, he would have said there's no question the baseball would. And I don't know if he'd say that in baseball circles or not. But, uh, man, I'll tell you what's really cool about baseball players, especially those with great hands, is they're magical in how they can make change. I guess that makes sense. Ball's always moving. you got to hit it up, out, in, over, always make adjustments. Well, not just Jerry, the other baseball player is really good. They make these adjustments, and his is magical, magical. In fact, he's he doesn't. I don't. I don't know that he would say he's got major league bat speed anymore. But I promise you, he's got major. He's got PGA Tour speed with a golf club. So it's kind of crazy how uh, how things go. And I don't know that he would want me to talk a whole lot about that because he's pretty gum humble. But, man, he gets fast through the ball. Tsunami Robbie, he is fast. Well, you know, we we know something about fast with these Tsunami products. Uh, that's what we try to do. We try to help people get that speed up. So I was looking forward to talking to him and just hearing what he did, um, you know, during his time to create bat speed. Maybe we can apply that to some of the things we do for golf and create some club head speed with golf. But uh, looking forward to talking with him next week. So here, here's the topic. I'm gonna open up with both of you, uh, Phil. You can't, you can't, uh, can't check out. You gotta, you gotta stay. Mm. You gotta stay locked, locked right with you. So we were talking, we were talking about uh, where the speed comes from, and I'm gonna let him elaborate when he gets on the show. But we can kind of talk about the tsunami bar technology, and it's what I think from a golf standpoint. It's Major feature is the tension piece, and so this is what Jerry we were bringing up. I used to I asked him I asked him years ago uh, about bat speed, and he goes, "Well, for me, and this is kind of where it stayed." He said, "I had to have light hands, soft hands. If I grip tight, I I was slow." Now, tsunami Robbie, talk a little bit about. Uh, that tension and speed and how the tsunami bar can help folks understand uh, tension control when they use it. Yeah, tension is a speed killer in just about anything that we do uh, anatomically, uh, you know, starting with the hands. Uh, when that grip gets tight, it builds tension in the wrist and the forearms. So it get, runs right through the elbows and gets into the shoulder girdle and as you try to sequence a move with a golf club and you try to get a turn, uh, that's going to be a little bit restricted. And, and uh, so you're not going to get shoulder and hip turn. And then when you try to turn around and release that, go the other way with the tension, it's just, it's just a slower release. It's, it's, um, it's just the way it is. And that's how we're built in the tsunami bar with the, uh, the technology, that live technology, being able to move that bar uh, with, with light hands, just like you were talking about, whether you're doing, the bigger bars with bench presses, you know, you need to have a grip, but you still don't have to have a death grip on it. And um, keeping that tension light uh, so you can explode and move fluidly through whatever sequence of moves you're doing, bench press, squats, lunges, uh, you know, shaking the bar in the different planes of motion that we do with the, with the multi-sticks, it all works. Um, so when you can build, when you can build that, 
that um, that quickness of speed, the release of of um, muscular activity into a particular motion that you're striving for, and do it in a proper sequence with timing, uh, you know, that's what uh, leads to success in the athletic programs. Whether you're hitting a baseball, golf ball, tennis ball, doesn't make any difference. The um, tensionless speed, that's the way to go. Yeah, so the thing that uh, the tsunami bar, the very first thing Mike Ramsey talked to me about is the fact that you can still maintain your feel. It's an in-season. A lot of folks kind of shut down or don't do quite as much in the weight room. With the tsunami bar technology, you can keep going right on through the competitive, even into the, the tournament season. And it keeps, because there's not as much muscular abrasion, and this is some Ken Taylor talk, David Abernathy talk, without, with less muscular abrasion, that's basically tearing of the muscle fiber. Uh, you don't have that recovery process, so you don't get the soreness. Then the, and when you don't have soreness and you keep the feel, that's a pretty good combination. And the technology was invented in the Clemson weight room. And this might sound like a little bit of a setup, but um, Clemson, and it was invented for football players primarily, lineman David Abernathy at 6'5", about 340 is a lineman. He and, and uh, another guy, Gordon Brown, invented it for to benefit linemen. So uh, the beef. But, however, in my, in my opinion, the greatest beneficiaries are going to be the skilled players, the ones that, that are handling and have to make, change direction. Golf, I think, is the great the golfers are the greatest beneficiary and we haven't even we barely there is barely known in the golf circles i just mentioned clemson i just also got a little update on the pga tour where they're playing in puerto rico and i did notice carson young is in the lead at 14 under in puerto rico jonathan bird fought hard to make the cut so i didn't look throughout the depth of the leaderboard um but I like keeping up with those. Will McGirt also made the cut, or he was well inside the cut when I checked last. And then, of course, we have the Arnold Palmer Invitational, and I, I did not check that one as closely because didn't have any skin in that game. No skin in that game. Let me, <laughs> let me check it for you. Let me check it for you. One of my favorite names on the tour, Kurt Kitayama, is your leader oh, yeah. at nine under. Love that name, Kurt Kitayama. Can you say that? Can you say that? Can you say that four times fast? <laughs> Kurt Kitayama. <laughs> Kurt Kitayama. Jordan Spieth, seven under. Xander Shoffley, Corey Connors. They're at six under, and then some others. You got uh, Justin Thomas at five. Adam Scott at four. Scheffler at four. Cameron Young at four. Rom, sixty-five yesterday, seventy-six today. He's at three. Rory's at two. Matthew Neesmith is at one, and Russell Henley's plus two, Morikawa plus three, Lucas Glover's plus nine, Kevin Kisner is plus 13. Hey, by the way, George, Robbie, I played uh, one of my annual majors on Monday. It was the uh, media day for the Heritage, the RBC Heritage, presented by Boeing. So we got a chance to play one of the great golf courses in the world, Harbor Town, mm. which was just beautiful, guys. I mean, just beautiful. The fairways, the greens, um, the straw, everything was just perfect for 
for people like us, imagine what it's going to be like when the pros get there uh, in about 30-something days. But, um, George, the things that are going on with the PGA Tour, and fortunately the heritage in Harbortown has such a great reputation, it's included with these designated events now. And the purse for the for Harbortown for the Heritage is over $20 million because it's one of those events. I mean, it makes that event even more special. But changes are a-coming. The PGA, well, it's it's been reported. I'm not sure the PGA's actually announced it, but they, they're making some major changes moving forward as an offshoot of what's happened with uh, Live Golf. And uh, how do you feel about it? Positive in your mind? I don't know details on such change. Sorry. Um, well, they're going to – Are you setting gonna, up a uh, – go ahead. Yeah, I was going to tell you a little bit about what they're doing. So uh, more of these designated events, um, smaller fields, cutting the fields down to like 72, no cuts, uh, no, no cuts in the tournaments, um, things like that, things that they were – that the competition's been doing, that the PGA kind of had turned its nose down towards. Now they're kind of ad- adopting some of these some of these things, and uh, to try and I get. I thought I you guess, were. Get, I thought you were getting. Excuse me for breaking in. I thought you were getting mm-hmm. there to because of uh, being right down there. I love uh, Harbor Town, but being in the throes of the of the no, I thought you were going to give me some news about Harbor Town that I didn't know about, which uh, wouldn't be a surprise. And they're not moving uh, the dates. That would be terrible if they moved the dates too far one way or the other, or um, altered altered the event too much. So you're telling me that they could cut the field of seventy players ish, seventy two. Yeah, players. yeah. Uh, this will start next year. They will no longer require top players to participate in certain <laughs> events. The players, the four major championships, the three FedEx Cup playoff tournaments, and an additional eight designated events, which have not yet been announced, um, they will uh, will be those that they – so we'll know top in, in certain events. Those will be ones, I guess, that uh, obviously they want the players to participate in. Um, the, uh, the commissioner says the tour will focus on ensuring purse size, elimination of a cut, and FedEx Cup points distribution to sufficiently incentivize top performers to participate in the designated events. So there you go. That's what they're that's what they're looking at doing. And of course, as I mentioned, well, um, they're going to cut the size of the fields down as well. For these smaller designated event fields, will not only uh, deliver substantial can't miss tournaments, according to the commissioner. Um, but also important intervals throughout the season. So they're giving the players more time off. So they are looking over at what the competition's doing and, and stealing some of their ideas, I would say. Well, right away, anybody that's uh, played professional golf really appreciates not having a cut. In fact, I used to have these, these dreams where I played in a, a field that had, uh, and this is the example, I don't know why I kept dreaming this, but there was only 20 players in the field, but they paid 21 spots <laughs> oh, uh, because in most of the things that golf's always qualified. I mean, even the greatest players to this day 
will tee it up and have to qualify. If they get in the mm-hmm. event, they still have to make the cut. So the it, I can tell you one thing that um, I hope, at least the one that's connected to me, uh, I hope he gets in that 72-hole uh, uh, event where there's no cut because <laughs> one of the most disappointing things I've had to deal with is when players get – I get a call or email. I, I'm, yeah, I'm coming in. We're coming in Friday night. Well, hmm. it might be here, there, or wherever, whatever part of the country, and Wesley doesn't make the cut. So that's a little bit of a bummer. But bottom line is I do think there's benefits to the four rounds straight through where, you know, players, they, they, uh, they invest a lot of time in their craft. So – Four stri- knowing that they're going to play four rounds, I think there's a, there's a great side to that. However, I think it's going to take the edge off uh, some of uh, some of the sharpness. I'm not so sure how that does for the for those in the middle of the pack, so to speak. I'm not sure that that doesn't promote more middle of the pack uh, live tour just because it's been out and they do it 54 holes. I think that's pretty appealing. I don't care for 54 holes, quite frankly. That's not enough of a test. Not going for that one. Uh, I no wonder what's what next for the PGA. What's going to be next for the PGA well, Tour? They're going to start wearing shorts, and they're going to start, uh, you know, well, having are, uh, So, you know, they're already, wearing, they're already wearing shorts in the practice rounds, so I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if that happens. And hmm. But I will tell you, I do believe strongly, and this year we'll begin to tell out, if we have some of the live, live players in contention, playing late in the majors, as long as they don't change that format in the majors, I think the PGA Tour players and the European players will have a distinct advantage. Uh, the live players used to teeing off with music going, 10 o'clock shotgun start. <laughs> they don't do it that way at the U.S. Open, British Open or Masters. you got to sit on it. It's like Sheffield last year talked about him throwing up uh, huh. before, the, at, before he's playing golf Saturday and Sunday, puking in the morning. Waiting mm. for that tea time. I think that's part of golf. I'll miss that part. Not the throwing up, but the fact that these guys get that excited about it. So I agree. I just, I just wonder, uh, you know, guys, Robbie, I, you can jump in here too. I mean, I wonder about uh, how much you mess with tradition and how much you change things. I mean, you, you think you're doing things to modernize. In fact, uh, Live Golf took a shot at the PGA Tour with a tweet when the uh, story came out in the week. Live Golf tweeted out from their Twitter page. They said, imitation is the greatest form of flattery. Congratulations, PGA Tour. Welcome to the future. Um, I mean, so my question is, I mean, I'm a traditionalist in all sports for the most part, okay? I'm, I'm good with doing some things, um, but, you know, golf – has been such a tradition-laden sport for its eternity, for its entire existence. And uh, how much changing, how much messing with it is acceptable and, and how much is – when do you cross that line where you've gone too far and you start losing some of your longtime traditional loving fans? Yeah, I, I can jump in. Uh, the, um, you know, I'll start with um... – with the uh, tweet from from Liv about imitation as the greatest greatest form of flattery, and and if that tweet got to all three hundred thousand of their viewers for that <laughs> tournament that they just had, uh, <laughs> more power to it. So, uh, but you know, I go back to the great CEO uh, Chrysler CEO when Chrysler was in the 
in the in the tank, uh, Lee Iacocca. And when he brought that thing back to life, he made a statement that kind of stuck with me. He said, if there is no such thing as maintaining. If you're not progressing, you're losing ground. Mm-hmm. Now, the PGA probably sat on their heels a little bit and uh, and kind of kept things the same for a long time. And, and maybe a tweak here and there, something different. It might not be such a bad idea. And when you get to to some of the things that they just proposed, Phil, that you were just talking about, they are cutting or making a proposal to, you know, have these fields at 70, 72, maybe 80 players at the most. But you can play your way in because it's not like a set 48 like they have on the other side of the fence. You can play your way into these on the fly during the season with good play. You can get into these tournaments. So it's not going to be the same guys all the time. On the flip side of that, you can play your way out if you're not playing well, and, you're not, and uh, you know, in, the, in those tournaments and preceding tournaments, uh, you can be outside that fence. So it's not guaranteed who's going to be in or out uh, throughout the, the season for these designated events. And on the money side, you know, they've got the they've got the purses way up there, and they've tried to get it scheduled where these guys won't have to play or show up at events four, five, six weeks in a row. They try to space them out just a little bit so they can play three or four weeks and maybe take a week or two off. And um, so I believe they're trying to tweak it to where it's not the same as as over there um, with the live guys. So I'll be curious to see how it goes. Bill, I'm just like you. I'm a traditionalist, especially with golf and baseball. Uh, you know, you don't mess with Wrigley Field and Fenway Park. I didn't like it when they put – lights at Wrigley Field. I like it in the daytime. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, it's. Uh, I'll be curious to see how it goes. Um, but um, they're just trying to make it probably a little bit more uh, advantageous for the sponsors that put up all the money to have star players there for, for four days and uh, try to create a crowd and viewership uh, that, can, uh, that can benefit the sponsors as much as the players. So I'll be curious to see how it goes. Yep. Well, one of the yep, things that uh, we – I, I am very curious. I'll have the chance, I think, to run into Freddie Wadsworth. Freddie Wadsworth, PGA Tour veteran, and he won the 1986 Southern Open. Uh, he four-spotted one of the few in the whole in the history of the tour to four-spot. That's a Monday qualifier, and then win the event. So, I had the privilege of seeing Freddie this past week at at Wildwood. He, his Hammond team uh, won the match. Uh, so, I need to congratulate the Hammond golf team for winning a, a first region match in uh Skisa at Wildwood. Wildwood hosted the event and I'm looking at Maddox Poozer was the medalist with Pierce Hutchinson from Heathwood runner up. But what I'll do is I'm gonna ask Freddie if he would join us and then Jerry Martin he uh he's sorry he did, he missed it. We'll get Jerry back on but Freddie's a little bit of a traditionalist. I'd love to hear what his take is uh, about some of these changes with the PGA Tour. And but you know, here's here's what I think: get used to change. And at the end of the day, the PGA Tour and Live, what everybody's trying to do is react to what they think people like. Well, the golfers are a little bit different in their preferences. It'll be interesting to me to see how the crowds, what what happens with TV contracts, we all know that's what that's what has the final word. So I think uh, the game, though, is still 
As long as they don't change the game, as long as they don't make that ball, make that cup a lot bigger or the mm. ball a lot smaller, then I think we're going to be all right. At the end of the day, the game's a great game. And, the, and usually the level heads, the good heads, and the hearts, that ends up uh, carrying most of the weight. So speaking of weight now, uh, fellas, we never are we still with the triple what is it the triple B and five when you check out after buying the tsunami bar technology. So go to the website and you can find that website. You can find it on the sports uh, say your website Phil before you shut us off. Sportstalksc.com, George. Sportstalksc.com. You can go right there and click on the link. And we got to uh, move on and play out. You guys have a great weekend. Thank you, George. Thank you, Robbie. Yes, sir. And thank you, Pat. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, everybody, for being with us. Have a great weekend. We'll see you Monday.